All right. Chapter 10. Kaladin is flying to the Shattered Plains with the... Basically the hierarchy of the fourth bridge. Navani, uh, Dalinar, some important Windrunners are all with him. And they're flying back to uh, Urethiru. And... Kaladin confronts Yunfa, with, who's a honor spren, and his radiant has died. And Yunfa refuses to bond Relaine, our resident windrunner, uh, bridgeman, singer, who betrayed the other. Betrayed. I'll go with it. The other, the other listeners at the end of Words of Radiance, and um, finally joins in with Bridge Four at the end of Words of Radiance. And Yunfa refuses to consider him purely on the fact that he's a singer. What What are your guys' thoughts on this, combined with the knowledge of Venli has a Radiant Spren and has spoken the first ideal? So with that knowledge, what are you guys' thoughts on Honor Spren being, dare I say, racist against singers? <laughs> I actually thought about this from an interesting perspective. I it felt odd for Kaladin to be dictating these relationships. That what we've learned so far about them, thinking about Kaladin and Syl and Shalon and Pattern, it seems like a very personal relationship. That this is someone who's in your head all the time. This right. is someone who you are going to be forced to share. All, all the intimate details of your life. And so I've, I kind of have the feeling or the understanding in my head that, you know, similar to Kaladin and Syl, this is a very personal thing. This is something where a, a Spren very carefully picks a, a human, a being, to bond with. So for Kaladin to tell a Spren, hey, you must go bond this person. That seems like, should Kaladin be doing that? I have no idea what the rights of, you know, a high marshal of the windspren or whatever he is might be. But uh, I don't know. That almost seemed kind of out of his responsibility, his right. Yeah, I I could agree. It would it doesn't seem something you can create artificially, right? Right. Yeah, I'm not sure I have much to add there. Yeah, this is one of those things I was like, well, I hope it works out. I There's not much more I can do than that, I think. So, But besides maybe that I'll add that it's been a year now, and Kaladin and Relaine was one of the first like prominent members of Bridge 4, and if he's the only one not getting a wind spread at this point, Kaladin wants to step in and do something. And so takes this opportunity to try to push that. So that's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's maybe the only thing I'll add is that the time aspect here of trying to force it because clearly he's not going to be chosen if Kaladin has to do something. Right. And I definitely don't see any reason why Relaine should not get a sprint. It definitely seems like he absolutely should. Right. It just seems like it's not, yeah, not something you can dictate. Not something you can say, hey, Spren, you must go bond this person. It seems like it's much more of an organic 
relationship that has to be built on, you know, things like trust. Whereas if you force a sprint to do that, is that, is, is it, is that relationship going to have that? Right. Do you think whenever Venley, uh, you know, travels to town and joins our crew, do you think Relaine will be her, uh, will shape her squire? Could be. Yeah, sure. That'd be fun. Um, Trevor, I'm really curious because I think you've said that this is like one of your very, very favorite chapters in all of Stormlight. I did. And I listened to this chapter and I, and I knew this was like before I read, like heard it. And so chapter 10, I listened through. I was so excited. I was like, this is one of Trevor's favorite moments. I'm really excited. I'm expecting something like Wander Sale, like really, really cool. I don't think I get it. I thought I literally thought I was like I I, I did it. I finished the reading. And I was like I think he typoed wrong chapter. I literally I thought you the typoed wrong the wrong chapter. Yeah, like so we see Kaladin get discharged from the military. We do. Could you just enlighten me? I I, I, I think I understand like your significance and why you like this. I'm assuming it's based off of like wanting Kaladin to get a break, whatever, pursue, a th- do all this stuff. Right. But your fa- one of your very, very favorite Stormlight moments is kind of a, a stretch for me. So I'm, I'm really curious to hear what you have to say. I will, I, yeah, I'll set the scene and then I'll talk about why I like it so much. So Kaladin returns here, talks to Yumfa, moves on. And it's just trying to get to his room. It's like, man, I'm so exhausted. Moash is getting to me in my head. I'm going to get to the Oath Gate, jump into my bed, sleep the rest of the day. And Dalinar stops him and confronts him about, A, his relationship between the Windrunners and the Heavenly Ones, which I don't want to gloss over. We can come back to it after I get on my little soapbox here. And then, B, Kaladin's mental health. And the the stinger line from Dalinar is, I don't know if I can field soldiers that I can't rely on when the pressure mounts, is what he says. And I remember listening to this on the, my first time, and I'm thinking, man, that stings. That, like, that hurts to be in Kaladin's shoes and having all this doubt that, boom, I should just put in your head. And for Dalinar to say, I don't know if I can rely on you because you are not mentally fit. That that hurts to to hear. But uh, the reason why I love this scene so much is because it is so well written. The the tone that Dalinar pulls Kaladin aside is completely in line with what Dalinar would do in the situation. And I I do want to push this over to Elliot for, for the Dalinar portion. Cause I think you saw what I, what I see in the scene as well, Elliot, but um, Dalinar pulls him aside and does what's best for Kaladin and Kaladin views it as betrayal in, instantly. He does seem to see the logic that Dalinar has at the end of this. When Dalinar says, diagnose yourself, Kaladin, I know you're a surgeon. Tell me what you see. And Kaladin walks himself through it of, what happens if I'm there and I freeze and one of my Windrunners dies because he's expecting me to block on his back and I'm not there to do it. And that is what eventually gets through to Kaladin of, 
I am putting my men at risk by being in the field. And that that is such a devastating re reality to come through for Kaladin. And I'm a big fan of the writing in this in this chapter. But uh, go ahead, Elliot, if you want to chime in here. Yes, definitely. I, I don't know that I would... I was a little bit with you, Paul, actually. And when I read through this chapter, I was like, hmm, his favorite chapter ever. Interesting. I interesting. I, I would not have placed it in a, in a category like that. However, everything you've said so far, I completely agree with. Very well written. Very emotionally powerful. I, I had a I had an emotional response. Me too. When Downer just drops that line. Because it kind of comes out of nowhere. You know, He's talking to him about the, the battle. He's like, Kaladin, you're one of my best soldiers. It's time I relieved you from duty. Like, wait, what? Surely I just read that line wrong. No, let me go read that again. Relieved of duty. Wow. And I, I immediately thought like, man, Dalinar knows what he's doing here. He doesn't say it here, but he knows exactly what this is going to do to Kaladin. He knows that this is going to be hard. Remember, Dalinar has been through withdrawal, I guess I'll call it, from battle. Right. He in his flashbacks of, in Oathbringer, we saw him react really badly to not being able to fight. And maybe that's kind of an extreme version. We know that Dalinar was like battling with the thrill and all this kind of stuff. Maybe, maybe some struggles that Cal is not necessarily going through. But Dalinar knows exactly what it's like to be a man of battle, where that is your life, that is your livelihood, that is who you are, and being pulled away from that and sat in a castle to make plans and not actually get to fight people. It, it did not go well for Dalinar. So he knows. He knows what he's doing to Kaladin here, but he also knows that it's what Kaladin needs. He can see him headed for a breaking point. And he says, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop you now. And I also thought, as a general, this has to be super counterintuitive for him. He's in the middle of a war to try and save the entire planet. Like that's the scope of things we're talking about here is he's trying to save the lives of everyone on the planet. And he's going to take his best soldier, his best soldier in his entire army and say, I'm taking you out of battle for your good. He puts Kaladin's health, Kaladin's interest over the entire war effort. That is incredible right there to be able to do that. What if what if um what if Zeth comes in and replaces him because he wouldn't hesitate? Zeth would not hesitate. That is true. In fact, well, where is Zeth? Hello, where is that he? was that Let's... was that was that was my follow up question. I was like, wait a minute, because last we saw him, you know, big, you know, Avengers assemble moment at the end of Oathbringer. Yep. Like, oh, he's with the crew. Then I was like, is he? Is I don't I don't know. Hopefully, I find out soon. I'd like to know. I I do think I don't know if Trevor, if you have, if you have more thoughts you wanted to go into. I do think while this is an incredibly self-sacrificing ish move from Dalinar to do this for Kaladin, I think this is going to hit Kaladin really hard. Like you mentioned, we are just coming off the back of, of Moash's 
cutting words that he just dropped into his head, feeding on his his doubt and his depression. And then now Dalinar hits him with this. Oh dear. I I, I don't think this is gonna go well. Yeah. It's poor, poor timing to say the least. And the and part of the reason why Dalinar is pulling him is because he's snapping at those who love him is the quote. And when, when Tef comes to sit down next to him and he, he yells at him and says, I don't want to talk. That's a red flag for anyone that says, Hey, I, I need you to take a step back. And Kaladin says, so I can return if I'm mentally, mentally fit. And Dalinar says, yeah, well, we can, we can consider that once we get to that point. But, Kaladin has very low hopes of himself ever returning to duty, and I do agree that this will hit him really hard and how he reacts to that. I'm only annoyed because this is at the same time where he had just had his, you know, Moash moment, and all I can think about is he just needs to be around people who good and care caring you know right uh, and i'm afraid it's going to push him out of his circle um, yep. and so now i'm very worried that's the only thing that's got me scared i do think that if Calvin can get through this though it's going to be a very good thing for him I, I think more and more he was using war to kind of shore up his identity who he was he he's building his his identity around the relationships he has in the military that that cannot sustain him forever it, he can't live his entire life on war right he has to be able to transition from that at some point so to kind of force that transition now into something maybe a little more applicable to peacetime is a good thing if he can make it through it yeah i agree the part I said that we come back to here in a second, I'll tie to the next chapter. And as we can tie into this uh, chapter 11, Venli chapter, Dalinar confronts Kaladin about the relationship between the heavenly ones and the Windrunners. And we've talked about this a little bit briefly before of they, they seem to be sparring almost there's, there's a whole battle going on around them and they're choosing their one, one-on-ones and fighting to first blood almost or fighting to until you're out of stormlight and then I won't kill you. So that in chapter 10, all the bridge, all, all the wind runners are celebrating uh, that they didn't lose anybody, but they almost lost Sigzil. And the only reason why they didn't is because Leshwi took pity or took spared his life. And Dalinar gets a report of this and says, why are they doing that? Why are you not finishing this, these fused off? And Kaladin rebuts it with, well, they're re they let us do this, so why wouldn't we take advantage of this? We're losing human lives if we die. They're just losing time, uh, and we're just slowing them down, basically, on what they do, because they're reborn with every, uh, with every high storm, or with every ever storm, rather. So... What what were you guys' thoughts on finding finding honor among the the heavenly ones, as Dalinar puts it? A little surprised, but I'm kind of with Kaladin on this one. 
why not pursue that? If if there's a way to have a contest of arms, almost in a way, kind of take the place of bloodshed, why why not do that? Why are the heavenly ones doing that? Yeah, I don't know about that. That's an interesting one. Does not seem in line with specifically the fused. The the fused we've seen before seem, you know, some of them are broken, completely mentally gone. Right. The others that we've seen seem pretty uh, decisive, unforgiving. They carry some pretty huge grudges. They're here to get revenge for the thousands of years of torture and difficult they've they've difficulty they've been through so to then see these heavenly ones who are all fused right yeah yeah seems a little out of character from what we know so far i guess there might be a question of if there's regals among the heavenly ones if they get like squires like the windrunners do which definitely seems very possible, but if that's if that is the case, and this is going to lead into, I think, what you're going to kind of spell out for us here, mm-hmm. regals are not reborn right. in the Everstorm. So in, in that situation, it is a a life and death scenario. Whereas with the fused, yeah, you you can kill a fuse, but it's just going to come back. You know that whole kind of dilemma, and, and that seems to be how they're approaching the situation. Which makes me think that this is all fused we're talking about, right? So I will, I'm going to spell this out. We've done this before on the podcast, but I omitted some of these terms last time I did this at the beginning of Oathbringer. So, and everybody was yelling me at the comment section, like, you didn't include this and you didn't include that. Yeah, I know I didn't. That was intentional. So we have singers who are the, the common term for them is parchment or um, the, the, just your common parchment across Roshard. And as the Everstorm came through, it awakened them, returned to their forms, returned to their rhythms. They can hear the rhythms of Roshar, and they can think freely again. They, they would, their minds had been suppressed. Um, how? We're not really sure of how that happened, but their, their mind had been suppressed. The Everstorm comes, and all of the singers have been set free. Now, that's different from the listeners the listeners back in the like the prelude to the Stormlight Archive times had be- before that even happens they ex excise is that the right word themselves from the whole ecosystem of the fuse and the um, and the singers and they go and start their own colony um, in what we can maybe assume as the shattered planes is where, where we, where we find them. They go and make their own colony and they don't listen or they don't partake in the fuse coming back and overcoming their bodies. They don't bond any void spread. They're going to go live by themselves. And those are the listeners where Venli and Esh and I come from. Okay. So the a singer versus a listener, listeners are way more passive. Whereas a singer is partaking in, the the culture of of roshar that's the um that's the thought there so the fused come back with the everstorm they are the sent the the sentient beings 
that have lived for however long like our like our heralds they they come back and they take over a, a singer's body a listener's body and they um wreak havoc they're, they're the void bringers if you will and then we have regals who are singers who have bonded void spren um who can and that allows them to hear new rhythms and part and have new forms and it turns their eyes red so at the end of words of radiance when all of the listeners eyes turn red they summon the everstorm and then they all bond void spread and they all become regals not necessarily fused yet on track yes yes any questions Can a regal become a fused? That's a question that Venley is opening this chapter with. Um, Venley, at the end, the last line of Venley's point of view chapter in the end of Oathbringer is, I've just said the first ideal. I'm going to turn to these singers over here and tell them about the listeners. Of uh, There was a whole people group that didn't partake of any of this and just wanted to live peacefully. So we jump to her here, and she has some followers of her little sect here. And one of them is like, when are we going to attack the Fused? I don't want to be here anymore. I want to leave. So she has a small following here that's trying to leave this whole system and go live by themselves again, like the listeners did way back when. That's where we pick up Ben Lee. We learned a couple things, a couple more things, but what, what were you guys' thoughts on this first Venley chapter? As I mentioned in the intro, I'm, I'm trying to figure out, you know, yeah, what what is Venley doing? Here we are kind of picking up with her. We knew, we knew she was had become a Radiant. Now we're a year later. What, what has she done with her time as a, as a Radiant amongst the, the, the singers, amongst the Fused, all of these people? I'm a little... I'm a little confused, but it's starting to kind of come together. She she seems to be very much an advocate of like free will. She she wants she wants the singers to have the choice to do what they want. Yeah. She does not want to return to the oppression, slavery to humans. She does not like the new form of what she's viewing as kind of oppression to the fused. She sees them as kind of coming in and taking over and running the show and they they claim to be here to win back the world for the singers, but in doing so, they're taking over the bodies of singers, killing them in order to do this. So so Venley's kind of calling them out a little bit on their their methods there. So she just wants she wants freedom. She wants her people, her race of beings, to be able to live their lives the way they want to without someone else coming in to tell them how to do it. This is this is what I, so reading this chapter was where I was really trying to compare that epigraph that I mentioned earlier, um, and honestly, I I don't really see much to take from it and apply here. Um, that doesn't mean it's not true or anything. I think we just haven't quite seen enough yet. Uh, but I am very kind of tuned in, uh, interested in Venley and what's going to happen. Uh, because I imagine being in the middle of all these 
fused and singers and everyone here that like I imagine it will cause some like awkward scenarios of like she can use stormlight like no one else can right like right. they use void light and stuff like isn't that gonna raise some some eyebrows yeah where she's at like I don't know it seems really weird and like covert like she has to remain very very covert while still being kind of like a leader in her like people (laughs) and so i don't know where that's gonna get us um yeah that's a great question she lashwi says yeah i can see everything you're thinking and bentley's like (laughs) no you can't <laughs> like in her head she's like if you could do that i'd be i'd be dead so she just certainly has plenty to hide and if she you know could reveal that she if she accidentally uses stormlight in front of someone like even one of her own followers they'll be like excuse me what was that something is not right here so yes there's she has certainly a lot to lose on the different powers that she has, she can use Stormlight. She can also use Void Light. She uses one power in this scene where she kind of she peeks into Shadesmar. She's she's looking for spies. She can you know see their their presence in Shadesmar even if they're hiding in a closet or something like that. Right. Is that a radiant power that she has? Or is that a power that she has access to because she's a regal? I I didn't quite catch it. Are we supposed to know at this point? I think it's got to be a radiant thing, right? You you are supposed to assume that it's a radiant power. She she claims that it's a regal power to her close inner circle, um, but she's she's she thinks it's a, a radiant power at least. I think. So I think we'll have to we'll have to jot that down because that might be important to you know confirming whether she's a will shaper or not. If if that's one of her surges, then we we might be able to start to you know well, we should be able to start to narrow down pretty quickly who she might be, what she might be. I've been staring at that thing on Trevor's wall, trying to figure out which one it is and what what it means when it's next to you. Because isn't that like an else color thing where they can see into shades more or? I could be wrong. Well, I kind of else... thought it was a Lightweaver thing. Yeah. With the soul casting stuff. So it goes Lightweaver, Elsecaller, Will Shaper. Okay. So. Nice. Shared with Elsecaller and Stone Wards. Stone Ward. Interesting. That is the half of the circle that we don't really know anything about over there. Yeah. What's above it? Is that uh, Edge Dancer? Bondsmith. Okay. Why is that next to Windrunner? Or is that wrong? No, it is. Windrunner, Bondsmith, Stoneward. What? I thought Windrunner was like between Edge Dancer and Skybreaker. Who? For the, for the surges, I always thought Windrunner was between Skybreaker and Edge Dancer. It's between Skybreaker and Bondsmith. 
Oh wow. Okay. I I guess I was just wrong. Windrunners. Windrunners get adhesion, so they can pull things together. That's the bondsmith thing as well. Um, okay. Some of the surges get a little bit confusing because, like, lift can make things have no friction, and then like, Kaladin can make things stick together. Right. So like a similar you know force they're manipulating, but kind of in opposite ways. But we also we saw Dalinar use that adhesion power where he like sticks stuff to the wall so we know that he shares that power with with windrunners we've seen him do that yeah anything else for episode 104 just the the ominous kind of closing of this chapter where we learn that venley's been contacted by some unknown spren who wants to give the singers another chance I didn't even, I didn't even remember more than more than that. Really, just kind of the, we need to speak more on this. Like, ooh, okay, what's that? But an interesting set of chapters, for sure. All right, we will reconvene next week. Thanks for joining me, Paul and Elliot. Later. Peace out. <laughs>